and welcome to Taboo Talk, the podcast series brought to you by Boots that ask the taboo health and wellness questions so you don't have to. I'm your host, Vogue Williams, and today we're going to be discussing burnout. According to the NHS, burnout is a state of emotional, physical and mental exhaustion caused by excessive and prolonged stress. It occurs when an individual feels overwhelmed, emotionally drained and unable to meet constant demands. Burnout can affect anyone, from homemakers to hedge fund managers, from perfectionists to procrastinators. It's often referred to as the 21st century pandemic because the rapid pace of modern life means we're all spinning too many plates. In fact, in 2021, so many people quit their jobs citing burnout. It was called the Great Resignation. Symptoms of burnout include decision fatigue, hypervigilance and inability to switch off, a loss of interest or pride in work or achievements, a feeling of being constantly overwhelmed. There are also physical symptoms such as headaches and gut issues, changes in appetite and sleep and frequent bouts of illness. On which note, if you are experiencing any of the above, please do contact your GP. You can also contact the Boots support room. Availability and charges, please see the show notes for more details. With me today to discuss their own experiences of burnout, exhaustion, pressure and stress are two amazing guests. First up, Dame Kelly Holmes. Kelly is an Olympic, Commonwealth and European champion athlete. At the 2004 Olympic Games in Athens, she became the first Briton in over 80 years to win double gold in the 800 metres and the 1500 metres and was honoured with a damehood by the Queen. And yet, such a work ethic comes with a price. In 2021, mid-lockdown, Kelly experienced burnout after throwing herself into her spokesperson work online, leading to her having to take 10 months off. An advocate for better awareness around mental health, Kelly also has her own podcast, What Do I Do? Mental Health and Me. Our second guest today is Ruby Barker. After shooting to fame in 2020 as Marina Thompson on the immensely popular TV show Bridgerton, Ruby took to her socials in 2022 to reveal she'd been hospitalised for mental health reasons. Having also sadly lost her father in January of this year, she is speaking out in the hope of helping others. Thank you both so much for joining us. Well, hello guys. Kelly, you experienced burnout in April 2021, mid-lockdown. Can you tell us a bit about your situation at the time and what was happening leading up to that? So burnout related to professional kind of life, I suppose, in one way. So I was in lockdown and, you know, lockdown was really strange for us all, wasn't it? Yeah. Some coped with it really well, had a holiday. Yeah. And others kind of um, immersed themselves into doing things. And I was going through a bit of time where there was a big narrative in my head about how I was feeling about myself personally. And um, so what happened was, is I sort of embraced the opportunity to take my work on online. So I'm a public mm-hmm. speaker uh, and companies were really lost of what to do, weren't they? And then suddenly yeah. they needed Zoom, news. <laughs> Zoom became the, the thing to inspire yeah. and everything. So I, what I did is I was like, this narrative was going on in my head at the time, which I'm sure we'll get to. Um, and I literally said, I'll do everything, whatever comes in. So I did that and started a fitness community. So I'm really, really now thinking, right, all I want to do is work. Because yeah. I don't want to sit in my own thoughts. I don't internalise things that were going on in my head. And I got to the point on this one particular day where I was so critical of myself. My energy levels had just slumped. And I opened up this laptop and I said to them, I'm not in a good way. And I said to this audience, like 500 people on the Zoom. Oh, really? And I was meant to talk about mental health because I talk about mental health awareness because I had like, lots of mental health problems as well. And I said to him, I'm not in a good way. Like, I'm feeling really low. I feel like I'm going to cry in front of you. I feel whatever. And I put the laptop down and I called my, my PA. I said, I can't do any more. I can't do anything. And I'd literally lost the point. I got to the point where I'd psychologically, emotionally drained myself because I literally was doing like changing five times a day mainly the top half of course oh, you were doing five of those yeah, zooms was, a day yeah but I was doing fitness first thing in the morning at six o'clock in the morning then I do a zoom at like nine you have to get a lot of energy yeah. up anyway but when you're doing it and you're seeing your, only your face that's even more energy you're trying to give you know what I mean I was yeah. trying to replicate what I do in front of hundreds of people and this little area so I was doing that, then I was doing another fitness thing at lunchtime, then I do another Zoom, and then and I was changing, 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 because I just didn't want to sit down. Because at the time, I was in a pretty bad place about my personal self. Yeah. And um, I'd got 
to a point. So I basically come out gay last year uh, publicly. Yeah. Or professionally. And the narrative in my head leading up to it was causing me to be really to the point of, I don't know, the brink, let's yeah. say. So you um, had that all going on in lockdown where you yeah. were you, you were trying to figure out how you were going to come out and say that. Did you feel like pushed into coming out to say something like that or was it your own thing yeah. going on in your own head? Yeah, so I think there's a combination of other mental health issues where you kind of, you know, your anxiety and your stress and you get depression if you've had it before. I think it's something that you have to kind of work out and learn. But there was also that professional thing where professionally I needed to do something. I needed to be the person to to stop this narrative of what... Because everyone knew me publicly as a speaker. That's what yeah. I do for a living. But I had enough to talk about. Being in the army, a double Olympic champion, <laughs> mental health problems, being in a care home, work, you know, working... Like, I had enough to talk about. Yeah. So when this, but this personal thing inside me was that I'd lived in fear for 34 years of uh, retribution because it was against the law to be in the army, and I served in the army during the ban mm. when it was it was against the law to be in the army. Yeah. What do you mean to against the law? If you're gay. if you're gay, so it was against the law to be in the army. Gay. Yeah. To be openly, yeah, between '67 and 2000, and I served for nearly 10 years, and. Um, that as a 17, 18 year old was institutionally put into my head to live in fear, even though I was, I didn't realize I was gay till I joined. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I'm sure we get a bit more into that story, but when you have, I got to the point where lockdown, where I was laying down on the sofa, was putting my, submersing myself in work because I got to a point where you see all these people are dying, you see, you don't know what's really going on mm. with lockdown. And I thought, God, and I had got the first lot of COVID and I was laying on my sofa like three weeks. I was really ill and I thought, if, when I die, like my friends and family have the right, oh, are going to say, isn't it a shame she couldn't live her life authentically? And I was like, that's my right. So what happened was, is that while I'm thinking and contemplating that, I'm also going through this thing of, I don't know how to stop thinking that I've got to do something. I've got to come out publicly because I was scared, yeah. so scared literally terrified of what the judgment would be. So that's why I decided if I put myself into work, it might stop this thought process of I need to come out. Yeah. But it didn't. So just like and those kind of repetitive thoughts were just going through your head and you just wanted... That's kind of like an anxiety as, as well. It's, but it's, a, it's a combination of both because for me, burnout was that I knew what I was doing. I knew my work. I loved it. But mm -hmm. when I was getting critical of, I don't think I'm a good speaker now, I'm... I got the fatigue, the energy levels were sort of sapping from me. Mm. I was f f trying to focus on my work, but the work wasn't really coming. It wasn't clicking. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was thinking I'm speaking, but now I feel like I'm not a good speaker. But I've been doing it 20 years. Yeah. I was questioning myself, yeah. you know, and I got to a point where I spoke to my friend. I went, I said, I need to speak to you. And we went down to my mum's bench. My mum had passed away in 2017. I was sitting on the bench and I said... I can't function. I felt like I couldn't function. She said, you've got to stop work. I thought I'd take three weeks off. I took 10 months off of work. That's amazing that you you, you forced yourself I to... I couldn't. I literally couldn't do one more speaking engagement after that day because I knew I'd lost it. Did you feel anything coming up to the day that you just stood, sat in front of people and then closed the laptop? Was there anything building up to that? Yeah, like I was sweating. I literally felt like I was having palpitations. I felt like I was visualising myself speaking but not speaking. I was, you know, because I did it in a, a building, you know, we were all in lockdown, so I went from my house to this building that I have. I yeah. Own. So it was like a little bit different and felt yeah. like I was going to work, you know what I mean? It's only on my own. That's a lot of work though for anyone in any day, like, and then you've got the added thing, pressure of being in lockdown. Yeah, and it was just that whole I felt myself feeling like I don't know, it's almost like a little bit of an out-of-body experience, as in I was seeing myself walking in to do the speaking engagement, but I was forcing myself to go in as well because I just felt like I'd lost it. I felt I'd, literally like I'd lost the plot. Yeah. But it was because, leading up to it, all I kept thinking of, stopped talk, thinking about the need to come out because I didn't know how to. Yeah. So I was had a constant narrative. You know, when you stop anything in life, you know, if mm. you have fear... It's a different way of dealing with fear. It's debilitating, mm -hmm. you know, the anxiety and the pressures and the worries and the situations you put yourself in. It's like the same for me. But I felt like professionally I was up to here because I'd submerse myself so much in work to yeah. please everybody else, mm. to do as much as I could because I didn't want to lay down during lockdown. hated yeah. lockdown. You know what I mean? It's just boring because I'd go around yeah. everywhere. 
you know what I mean? It felt, you it were, felt like it was going to be boring, you know, so I was like, no, I don't want to be bored. I feel like <laughs> some people kind of embraced it, but yeah. other people who are used to just like, you do seem like even today you came in and you're like, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And I'm like, oh my God, she's here so many places. But when did you know, did you know what burnout was, first of all, and how did you figure out that that's what you were suffering from? Because I was confused with whether it was just sort of mental health, you know, kind of, you know, going from sort of being stre- feeling stressed and then being really anxious, you know, there are two different things of that you know I can feel stressed and sort of kind of bit like you know irritated and confused and whatever and then I was getting anxious feeling like you know I literally sort of shaking and thinking like I can't do it I was like you know this whole doubting myself process I think that was it and then Mm. you know I've had depression where I'm really tearful and all of that lot but I felt it was a bit different you know what I mean it just felt different but it felt different because I'd never thought about it from a a professional um, experience like, I'm a busy person like a lot of us are, but I felt like I was really forcing myself to be so busy. I didn't yeah. want a half hour gap. I didn't want an hour gap. I didn't want to sit with this thing. So I was forcing myself to do so much. You know, I created this whole fitness community. You know, I was I was just pushing myself to the extreme. Yeah. And I didn't know how to control it. I wasn't doing me time. I wasn't taking time out. I wasn't reflecting on the one speaking engagement. I was just going to the next. Yeah. Whereas now I suppose I know how to control that, those feelings a little bit more um, with overworking. Yeah. It just felt very different. I don't know. I felt how did you, how did you confused. get diagnosed for it? Or did you just know yourself? No, I spoke uh, to a doctor, you know, um, because the thing is, it's hard sometimes to know where you're at with it in life mm. and your position and where you feel. And especially, you know, I think there's this crossover at different times in your life. You know, we evolve, don't we? And there's this crossover of who we are and what we do. And I felt like um, I had to speak to somebody, but I spoke to the doctor that really knew me and he was only up the road. Yeah. And he just said, you've got to stop. He said, you have to stop because you are driving yourself into the ground. Yeah. You know, I was getting ill. I'm starting now then, you know, I'd obviously got the COVID the first time, but now my immune system's already down. I was making myself iller. You know, I got that in 2020. Yeah. Yeah, I had the burnout 2021. So I was sort of making myself into this kind of like shell of who I was. You know, I'm really like motivating and motivated yeah. and hopefully motivating, you know, and I'm really sort of driven. But I just wasn't feeling good. I just was feeling that what I was as a person was diminishing but yeah. I was doing so much as a person it's hard to sort of compute the differences between yeah. what it was so he said you got burnout I didn't realize what that was I just thought I was going into a, you know of course it's a bit of a mental health crossover but he said no you are over exceeding to stop that narrative that's going into your head so you are perpetuating your health going down because you are putting yourself in it. You could stop, don't do fitnessing, don't get up at six o'clock in the morning, mm. you know, move. How did you stop, though, from going to being so busy? You closed yeah. your laptop that day yeah. and that's when you took 10 months off. Was that really difficult for you? I can't, what would, I can't imagine you taking imagine? 10 months Well, that's how bad I was. That's the problem, you know. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was going to be three weeks. Yeah. I kind of accepted with my friends, okay, three weeks, take some time out, Think of me, go and yeah. play with my alpacas, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and lockdown was a strange environment, wasn't it? But it was sunny, it was lovely. And, uh, but when that three weeks just came like that, and I thought, I can't, I could not do it. Yeah. So I literally could not have the, th- I could not think about speaking to other people. I kept my fitness, ironically, I kept my fitness community going because what happened with that is that I had in my head that, Keeping moving and exercise would be one way of keeping myself sane, almost, yeah. because I felt myself almost going insane. Yeah. So I felt if I did that, and I didn't have to prove myself anything to them people, because I was a PT, you know, I know how to train people. You're an Olympian, you win. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's almost like that was just sort of 
common ground. And they were a bunch of people that they had their own issues as well. You know, there were a lot of women and men and, you know, getting divorced and it always become like a self-help group. You know what I mean? Some yeah. had cancer and some were going for real big problems through that lockdown period. You know, you're looking into people's lives when you do a live, especially in a fitness environment. People were struggling. So it came almost like a self-help group, but they didn't realise that how much they were helping me as yeah. much as I was helping them. You know what I mean? And that was the that was the bit that I felt like I needed some form of normality where they weren't questioning me as Dame Kelly Holmes, double Olympic champion who stands up in front of them and has to be very professional and inspiring and motivating and you're paying me to do it. Yeah. I was just doing it because I wanted to keep fit and have a yeah. laugh with people. So it's weird how your mind can click, isn't it, to one thing where you're in the depths of despair which I felt that burnout period was, to still functioning in a way that was just normal for me, so I could just exercise. I didn't have to think. Yeah. But by exercising, I was thinking about what am I going to give them? What am I training? So I didn't have a narrative again. Yeah, You know, yeah, because yeah. I'm planning a session. Mm. I wanted to do the weights. I was doing a core session. So doing that whole hour or two hours of prep or whatever, it was fine. Yeah. It's any time it was quiet, night times. You know, night times, I was feeling so exhausted and extreme and then also thinking my life is being I've been a speaker now for years am I no good anymore can I just not perform anymore yeah can I not communicate effectively with people you know in my head it was like now doubting my professionalism mm. how and that's you, what burnout was how did you get back into it though after after 10 months so it got to 10 months and then you just kind of felt yourself that you were ready to I got asked to go to the running show national running show and I caught, sort of thought if there's anywhere to start back it's in my environment yeah. where no one was questioning anything about me other than my running ability Yeah, and I remember going there um, it was in London but I was really nervous because I suddenly now I'm seeing people like I detached from people in a way mm. so I'm walking in to the national running show and I'm like the lead speaker doing a Q&A and I got a real bad anxiety attack in the back. And Joe Pavey, who used to be an international runner, we were teammates and things, she was in the back and I broke down crying. And she's never seen me like that. Yeah. She didn't see me as, you know, we used to be in the team together, Commonwealth Games, European champs, you know, I was always this ex-military fun kind of person. And she just saw me broken. She said, said what's happened? I haven't seen you around. So I kind of said, like, this is my first day back after 10 months. I don't know if I can go out. I didn't think I could go out. Yeah. So this is how it just broke me as a person, you know what I mean? In my yeah. personality, um, it's always been quite reserved, even though professionally I can be out there, mm. you know. Um, but when you're closed book in for a part of your life that you can't open up, it mm. really, in, you internalise a lot. Yeah. And I felt that I'd gone through internalising my issues per privately it affected me professionally then I needed to come back as me and I couldn't be me because I didn't know what me was anymore yeah and that's how bad it, it that's became. scary no I did the running show and that felt okay I yeah thought, right so and then and then I still didn't go back to work normal work that didn't feel like normal work to me because that's part of your that's part of your whole life all the time yeah, anyway. I can talk yeah. about running <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's easy um and then I went to a I don't know, got invited to one of these, uh, I don't know if it was a movie or something, new show out or something, you know, like you just mm. get invited to them. And I thought, well, that's okay, because no one's going to ask me about anything. I'm just going to watch a movie, you know what I mean? Yeah. I remember turning up and putting it on my Instagram, like first outing out, and everyone was like, oh my God, great to see you back. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, it was like that. But I still found it really hard to integrate back into work life, because I think I'd put such a stop on it dramatically on that day I closed the laptop that I felt that was almost like final mm. and I thought what am I going to do now because I felt maybe my speaking career had gone Yeah. because I thought if I can normally speak and talk effectively about everything I'm quite open when I do my personal speaking you know my public speaking I'm really open about everything Yeah. but I thought if I can't articulate the process to people anymore is that me over and that became a worry and I think it was just then it was tipping into that whole doubt and, you know, being critical, self-critical. And I was still very lethargic and tired from that process. Yeah. And when I started to speak to people, people were like, I would never think that about burnout. I wouldn't know that that's something that we well, go. Well, that's uh, like you know? I thought that I'd never heard of it. But like the mm. symptoms do seem 
like they could happen to a lot of people. But Ruby, with you, you released a social media video mm. in May last year explaining that you had been hospitalized for mental health reasons. Uh, what actually happened in the lead up to make that video? First of all, I think that's amazing that you did mm. that. I think both of you coming on and talking about this is so helpful to so many people. And it's just a topic that people kind of skirt around. But it's good that we're getting into it. So mm. I love that you did do this as well. But what, what made you do that? Well, what happened is um, I landed the biggest job of my young career. Yeah. You know, I, I'd rejected to go to university to pursue my dream, which, which was to be an actor. Yeah. I didn't have the money to go to drama school, do anything like that. I started in community theatre and I hustled and I worked my socks off to get into the industry. It's a tough industry as well. Very tough. Um, so yeah, I worked my socks off, landed that job, um, and it was like my dream come true. Do you know? Honestly, when I say I had no money, I mean I had no money. Mm. Yeah. You know, like I, it was at a point where I was like, I don't know where I'm gonna get my next meal from. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then, for heaven's open, Shonda Rhimes, it's like, oh, job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Uh, so obviously, I was like, oh my god. I knew how great the script was. I knew how great the character was. This was such a big opportunity and also coming from a place of being um, a mixed race actress I hadn't really seen characters like Marina before I had a shot here to play a great character that hopefully is going to bring so much as good vibes good stuff and opportunity and have a knock-on effect for so many other mixed race women in this industry and the sort of characters and stories Mm. that we tell about people of colour you know And obviously I want to do the best job I could possibly do. So I was putting or internalizing all of this pressure on myself. And this this was going to be it. This was my shot. I could not blow it. Yeah. The stakes could not be higher. I feel scared for you talking about that. Right. You see, you hear how much pressure I put on myself and all the things going, you know, running through my mind. Yeah. And then obviously there's the money side of things as well. And then I'm also coming from a place where I'm dealing with a lot of childhood trauma and I'm dealing with um, the fact that I was also susceptible to mental health. I've struggled with my mental health since I was, you know, a teenager. My problems started presenting themselves. I get this job, I'm shooting for seven months. Over the summer, it was really um, overwhelming Mm. for me. And it was, and I was getting, I was becoming harder and harder on myself because I'm surrounded by a lot of actors that have been to drama school and stuff like that, and I hadn't been, so I also had massive imposter syndrome. I know who all these people are. Who am I to be here? And I also had this idea, this notion in my head that I had a lot of self work to do, like not just physically I wasn't good enough, mentally I wasn't good enough, spiritually. This is when it gets crazy spiritually I wasn't good enough do you know what I mean like so I was I I was really sold on the whole right I gotta get up every day 5am I gotta do 40 minutes of exercise I've got to do yoga I then have to have a cold shower because I need to put myself into an uncomfortable position in a comfortable position (laughs) no no I know I know this is the thing yeah Yeah. right and I was Mm. really sold on it but you probably loved that routine then and that's that was like it sounds like Kelly was doing as well Well, you're both like filling your day so much and not really leaving any time for yourself yeah because I just I I just felt like Mm. because you see like all these successful people and stuff and and you know I'm I'm young and kind of directionless and I'm thinking well this is what's got to be done. If I don't want to mess up this opportunity, I, I need to make sure that I'm doing all this self-work, I'm doing, you know, all the meditation, all the physical stuff. So you were looking after yourself yeah. in that respect then. Yeah, but I was. But it was almost like I was taking it too far. I was, I was taking but just on... just filling up your day too much. Just too much, too much, way too much. And by the end of filming... So you got through the seven months of filming I then. got through the seven months of filming. Two weeks later, I had my first hospital stay. I had to take mm. myself in voluntarily. Mm. How come you felt like you had to take yourself in? Were you just, just overloaded? I lost it. Like, my, it was almost as if my mind could not process, A, 
trotting around in a ball gown in a pair of kit heels <laughs> for seven months, talking in <laughs> ye old English. <laughs> yeah. And B, the fact that there was now, you know, talks of, of a global pandemic, like, what's going on? Yeah. And I was, I didn't know what was going on. I imagine, like, I did not know what the crack was anymore yeah. because I'd gone so deep in this role. I'd came out and all of a sudden it's like, you've got to stand two metres apart and there's a pandemic oh, and yeah, people yeah, were yeah. dying and, and all of this stuff. And it was really freaking me out my brain just said see you later you know literally yeah and it's funny looking back like this is when I knew that I'd properly properly lost it because like burnout essentially led me to have a psychotic episode like that is how serious it is the stress and all the sudden rest if you just leave it, it so you were probably having burnout up until the yeah two weeks before you didn't notice the symptoms I of burnout snapped. And then, yeah, you yeah, snapped. You I completely it. snapped. Amazing that you were able to bring yourself to hospital, though, to, to know in yourself, to still be able to help yourself. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, you know, do you remember when everybody was um, panic buying? Yeah. The whole toilet roll thing, yeah. right. I miss out in the toilet rolls. I was raging. <laughs> right. Well... My partner at the time said to me, he said, Ruby, I'm leaving you in charge of inventory. Like, you should probably <laughs> get some tins in or something. We don't know what's going to happen. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but obviously I was losing it. So I don't know why he put me in charge of this. <laughs> the delivery arrives. There's a man at the door. I'm in my pyjamas. My afro's all matted. I'm like, right, come downstairs. Go, help me, help me, help me. He comes down the stairs. I'm not joking. Crates upon crates of lemons. Fresh Stop. lemons. Oh my god! Yeah, literally, that's what you ordered. Yeah, and you didn't realise. Yeah, Why? Why? lemons. <laughs> Lem- I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what was I thinking. Like I was gonna make a copious amount of like lemon drizzle. It does preserve stuff, I suppose. <laughs> I lemons. suppose you could clean <laughs> stuff. Yes. Yeah. Bare, bare, bare lemons. There was also, um, you know, like the joint supplements. Are like, I wonder what you could oh say my then. God. Joint supplements. Yeah, that, that the OAPs have to take. That's a very strange shopping list. I think, and, and Nicorette, because I was scared cigarettes were gonna fly oh, off the shelves. Oh. So there were about 17 spray things. <laughs> so that was like, the, it was actually affecting your day to day then. Like to, you were yeah. just doing things like that. Anything else? that it, Like how did your relationship work out? Oh, with? that ended. Up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it the lemons that did it? I, I think so. I think the lemons had something to do with it. It was like, Robes, why are there so many lemons? And I was like, I just had this moment of just like clarity. And I was like... I don't know, Steve, just get them in the kitchen, all right, we'll deal with it. So we get them all in, and, um, yeah. Did he notice that there was anything up with you? Uh, Yeah, yeah, he did. Like, he sort of, for a a while, the the relationship was breaking down. So that was another element as well, on top of it, the job and the stress. But, um, yeah, just, like, little things that were saying that just wasn't quite making sense. Do you know what I mean? Or just didn't sound like me. Yeah. You know, I'm a very sort of like rational, you know, almost scientific person. All of a sudden I've turned into this like hippy dippy. Yeah. Like need to open my third eye, guys. You know, I've got to connect with my higher self. I mean, if that's what you're into, sound (laughs) But <laughs> you weren't. Um, from, from experience, you've got you've, you've got to be careful. You so then, yeah. So then, you took yourself to hospital. How long did yeah. you have to spend in hospital? So I spent about two months in hospital during COVID. Now, by the time I'd actually gone got into hospital, I was I was on a different planet. Okay, and it wasn't helped. <laughs> Like, it was not helped by the fact that everyone was in all the COVID visors oh, and yeah, the goggles yeah. and the plastics and all the sat and the rest. Lucky you got in. I was like, yeah. where am I? Like, what? what's going on here? This isn't like a hospital I've ever seen. I, I've completely forgotten that we're in a pandemic. Yeah. And then the next thing, you know, you know, when you went in mental hospital during the pandemic you'd have to be put in isolation for oh, yeah, a number of days as well so it was a very very confusing time a few people on the, sh- on the show knew what yeah. happened but I kept that a massive massive secret 
because I was ashamed um, and I was scared and I didn't fully understand the severity of what had actually happened to me yeah. at that time. And I just sort of thought, that's a one-off, that's a blip. Moving on, went back to work, made a big movie in Berlin and um, starred in a theatre show on the... Uh, at, um, the lyric, the lyric, and Hammersmith. Yeah, and it was about mental health, and I went into that, doing that mm-hmm. from a place of, oh, I am so overqualified for this because I've just had this <laughs> mad experience. <laughs> this won't be triggering at all. <laughs> Guess what? It was triggering. It was incredibly triggering. I, then I ended up having to go back into hospital Stop. after doing that sh- that whole mental health. Mum's in a mental hospital theatre show. Was so how so long did triggering. you have to go the second time then? The second time was when I made the video and I was like, right, I, I can't pretend that this is something that's not happened. Yeah. Because like up until that point, my whole social media was just, I felt like I had to present this really glossy, yeah. perfect, mm-hmm. yeah. Bridgerton-y vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Social media. And I literally just felt like I'm lying. I'm holding like a massive secret, and I was. I also felt as well, if I didn't say something, somebody would out me. So somebody could say, "Oh, I mm. was here with Ruby," and then there was the other element of, you know, I can make something, and at least other people in this position will know that it's okay. It happens to everybody. Like yeah. so many different people, different lines of work. So I made the video, and a load of people watched it, and they said, "Don't, don't put that out. Don't post that." Why? Well, Why because there is, but there <laughs> is that shame element. So maybe yeah. they, that was their own shame, not wanting them for you to do yeah. it. When actually, what you did has probably helped countless people. And then I just, again, I just had this moment, this epiphany, where I was just like, no, I'm, I'm gonna do something without asking for permission, yeah, or the opinions of, or need validating from anybody around me. I'm just gonna do what I feel is right because this is bothering me. This is stressing me out. It's causing me anxiety. I have something I've got to say. I cannot hold this in. Yeah. So you put it out there. So I put it out there and then, you know, the rest is history, you know. And how did you feel about the response? Oh, it was amazing. Honestly, it was absolutely amazing. Do you think there's probably a reason why you just, the way you're talking about it, Mm. you're kind of explaining why you put so much pressure on yourself for that role and even now you can look back and be like, Jesus, I didn't need to do that. Yeah. Like that was a lot of pressure. But you mentioned guilt, um, shame you mentioned. And guilt and shame are something that's really um, geared towards people who have have burnout you just feel a huge sense of guilt and shame and you said yourself that like you couldn't you thought you were just bad at your job when you weren't bad at your job so that was Mm. one of the things that showed you you had burnout as well yeah and also uh self-sabotaging so one of the other things that happened to me is that I started running with a 10 kilogram weight to to prove to myself how much weight I felt on my shoulders at the time so I'd go out for this run and, you know, 10K weight that sits back on here is not easy. Wow. It was really hot. And I was literally doing it because I wanted to meet. I was almost like hurting myself. It's like self-harming. Like punishing you know, which yourself. Which be- I had gone through before in my career. Um, it was a punishment to myself for feeling that I wasn't good enough anymore at the yeah. job that I was doing because of the process that I'd gone through. You know, so that's why I was saying when you said you took yourself to hospital, I was literally like, you know... I didn't function properly at all. Mm. Yeah. And I wasn't that aware of, like, what was actually happening. I was just happening. Yeah. But I should have got more support during that time, but I didn't. And so I was doing things to myself to prove to myself that here's the weight on your shoulder. I'm going to make you feel you've got that weight on your shoulder and you're going to struggle through it and you're going to then, you know, struggle again and struggle again rather than help myself. Where do you You think this comes from? Because we both have this similarity, right? Where we, like, beast ourselves to... You punish yourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people do 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 that. You, like... I don't know, my husband kind of does it in a way as well. I was telling Mm. you about those runs, and I'm like, why do you go and do those things? Like, he runs in the Sahara for, like... And he's like, I just like that feeling of, like, really having to push myself and force myself through this, like... And I think maybe it's just in human nature to try and... 
Yeah. I think Compete mine was, against yourself. Yeah, yeah. I think mine was always about trying to reach some form of excellence in something. So when I was younger, I felt really disengaged with school. Identity was, it wasn't really there. So a mixed race as well and mm. didn't know my biological father, etc. So when I was at school, I was at all, all white schools and everything. And I felt like... I'm not like anybody, so I yeah. use this term unique, and then I created this, I wanted to be Olympic champion since yeah. I was 14. So in my head, the only way I could validate myself as an individual was to become that Olympic champion. Now you got to remember well, that. Well, you took certainly me, did that. <laughs> remember, that took me 20 years, and I won two gold medals at the end. But during all that time, I'd had so many injuries and setbacks, you know, in my professional career. Seven years out of my 12 years international career, I had, uh, you know, really bad injuries that were career threatening. And when I, I was in the army for the first part of my athletics career, left to pursue my dream of being an Olympic champion, everything went to that. So when I got injured, you know, it was kind of putting pressure on me because the expectations of my head to become this person that I felt yeah. was the only thing that validated me, pushed me to the extreme. Now, when you're in professional sport, I mean, it's a physical and psychological push. Yeah. Everything has to be at the top ends. Mm. So it's like you use the best part ever. You know, I mean, what amazing part that for me at the time would be like equivalent of being at a championships and winning a gold medal. You know yeah. what I mean? That's yeah. like a gold. So at that time, that created my downfall to my mental health. Yeah. So when I was 33, I had a massive breakdown. I became a self-harmer. I lost the plot because of the whole want and need to become this Olympic champion yet yeah. my body was letting me down all the time and I was fighting against my right. excellence in my head yeah. and the mm. physical being not keeping up with it yeah so I think that then become a destructive part of my life. And yeah. when I was, you said you got through your filming and you, mm. you know, I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you that you got through your, your yeah. filming. I was also at the lowest air, not want, literally not wanting to be here and breaking down in a training camp at the same time getting ready for world championships. And at that world championships, no one knew I was literally had lost the plot. I didn't even know what breakdown was then. You know, I mean, I didn't, yeah. no one really spoke about it back then. You're talking about early 2000s. No right. one spoke about mental health. No one yeah. spoke about, you know, especially anyone in the public eye. It just wasn't a thing um, as such. And um, I kept it all inside, internalised it again, getting fed in world championships. And no one knew I was at the brink of despair. Yet I got a silver medal at those world championships. And that is like almost a strength that we have as well. Because mm -hmm. you're going through all your journey and your, you know, kind of pressures and expectations, yet you're still performing. Yeah. And that's what we do. Yeah. And I think high performers have this. You hear it in the world of music don't you and yeah. Yeah. act in any way how we push to the absolute brink well how something in the head yeah but both of you will probably be good at answering this how for any listeners that feel like they push themselves too much what are your tips for just being able to let some stuff go I would say indoor bouldering <laughs> yeah that's a good one you cannot I stress cannot worry about anything when you're bowling. worrying about not falling off a wall. Oh, yeah, oh, you can't. Oh, bouldering. bouldering. Yeah, climbing. What's climbing? That's yeah. what it's called. Yeah. Try, honestly, I swear. So you don't have ropes in, in bouldering. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay so you okay. traverse mainly across the, uh, rocks and yeah. things like that. I mean, you only, you only climb yeah. up about eight foot, yeah. but you can still hurt yourself. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but the thing is, is that you're so focused in that moment on like getting the next hold and not slipping off and breaking your nose yeah that is really really hard to stress about all these other things so at work and stuff and it's like yeah 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 you're what just in you're just completely in the moment <laughs> or alternatively i highly suggest last weekend i did something called zombie uprising it was a <laughs> immersive zombie apocalypse experience and it was terrifying. And they <laughs> no. give you, they give I think you, I would hate that. That would that give me anxiety. <laughs> I'll fun. try the bouldering. The, the bouldering one. first, yeah. followed by a zombie immersive experience. So I'd say paddle boarding is paddle one. Paddle Yes, so paddle yeah. boarding the same, because I have a fear of water falling in the water, right? <laughs> um, so paddle boarding, I find the same thing. I find it very meditating. Mm -hmm. You're yeah. out in the fresh air. You can then just feel like really at nature and at peace. But the main thing is I'm not going in that water. 
Yeah. So I have to have every part yeah, yeah. of my foresight <laughs> being on, stay on. Like even my feet get cramped because I'm not yeah. going in. But I find that experience when you yeah. take yourself away of something where you've got to save yourself or, you know, yeah. protect yourself. I think that's a good way, isn't it? Yeah, right. I think it's both of those are obviously physical activities. I would be the same. Like I'm a terrible runner, but like I'll take myself out for a run. And I just feel like I don't think of anything except like I look at people's dogs and I just look at people and like it just kind of takes you out of your head. And you, you it's kind of like... <laughs> For people who can't meditate, it's really calm. Like me. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I just stare at everybody. <laughs> but I think that, like, going out, if you're going out for a walk or something like that, just something that gives you time to relax. I can't meditate. So, like, doing something like that, I feel, is like kind of meditative for people. Yeah. You call it me time, don't you? Yeah. It's about how do you consciously do something only for you? So that you're in your space where you're making yourself feel t- uh, feel good about mm. it, but actually you've preempted, you've actually consciously given that space. Yeah. So most of the time when you're just a goer, you never consciously think about anything. It's just a, yeah. a wheel, isn't it? A hamster wheel. We're just spinning all the time. Mm. Whereas me time, like I will consciously go in a bubble bath at the end of the night with my candles on, my music, and that's negotiated. No, not negotiable mm, yeah. because then I feel like I'm taking control of that even 15, 20 minutes and that's I didn't used to do that so that's something that I've learned is that how do I take that little bit of time off should probably do more of it yeah. to be fair because yeah. you go back into the you've got to <laughs> do we actually did a whole episode on self-care and it is like people like treat self like you almost feel selfish that you're doing it, but it's not a selfish thing. It's literally like something that your body needs. You need to stop. Yeah, like I sit and watch the Kardashians because I'm just like, this is such garbage that I love. That I just sit and I just zone out and I love it. Totally. Just True. to relax. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You need stuff like that. Like sometimes, you know, I'll do the bubble bath or, or mm-hmm. climbing, right? Yeah. Go for a walk, walk the dog, that sort of thing. Anything like that. Healthy things. But then I also like to give myself permission to just rot. Yeah. Do you know what you I mean? You need that. Just lie in bed, feel miserable, sit in my feelings, um, and bring myself out of it. Because everybody finds themselves sometimes just, you know, in that place, and you're just like, I can't get up, I can't do it. Mm. Yeah. And then you feel guilty for being in that place. And you, and you, again, you're like, oh, I've got to get up, I've got to do this, 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 this. No, 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 just no. Just chill. You can just lie in the dark and eat Harry Bows sometimes. Sometimes you need to do that. Do you think so people realise that like your mental health health affects your physical health and kind of vice versa? Do you think people are starting to understand that now? Starting, the same as gut health, mental health, mental health, physical health. I think there is that correlation a lot more now. Mm-hmm. It, I think more people need to approach it in that way that they understand mm. the, those correlations. And like we've already said, you know, when you get out in the fresh air and you go for a run and a walk, you know, yes, you're doing something physically, but you're doing it for the brain yeah. as mm. well, aren't you? You know, it's both the things you've got. And if you don't do anything active, you start getting lethargic, you feel sorry for yourself, you're putting on weight, yeah. you just look at yourself in a bad way. And then, of course, that's going to affect. You can really, both. you dra- yeah, you can drag yourself down. But do you think, with speaking about it in, mm. in sport or within the acting community, that you're just kind of normalizing it and making people understand that it's okay to be able to feel like that and still be at the top of your game? I mean, yeah, totally. And I've just started an ambassadorship with Wellbeing in the Arts. They're a charity that focuses on um, providing like counselling, free counselling sessions for artists, um, young actors, stuff like that, who may need support from specialists who have experience working within the industry themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like the work that they do is great. And I think that it's really important that people are aware, especially young actors, that those services that help for your mental health exists. And it's totally normal within the arts and, well, and again, within any industry to struggle with one's mental health. Mm. I think sometimes we are like the main characters in our our own lives and our own existence. And we forget that this is something that literally affects everybody across the board. Yeah. You know? But Um, as I said, I said it in the... the Free titles there just about like that it can be a housewife it can be a CEO it can be literally anyone that all of this can affect yeah with you though how has what you've been through has it changed the way you approach work yeah definitely I am um, I try to stop with the negative self-talk if I am getting in a place where I'm being really really hard on myself um try and laugh it off and I'll just leave it 
yeah it obviously wasn't wasn't for me or this isn't my time or the right time and then especially when I'm doing auditions then my agent will come back and often say do you need some extra time Ruby to do this is there something that you want to do yeah. and then I also say no a lot more as well um if some if something's not right for me I will just sort of say no I I can use my energy better do you know what I mean I'll save myself up for engagements like this yeah do you know what I mean like mm. rather than saying yes to everything and spreading myself really really thin there so is you put your health in, first a lot more now. Put, oh yeah putting my health first most yeah. important thing because ultimately I, ca- I can't perform I can't do anything if I'm not healthy yeah you know and what about you Kelly I still have issues I still you're still a go 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 I am and as I was listening to Ruby you know I I do think a lot around that sort of generational change and social change and acceptance of talking because being able to talk effectively is certainly helping you because you're able to then internalise those things when you couldn't used to talk about these things yeah where do you go with it you know what I mean where do you go with that conversation I do think the fact that conversations happening now is certainly helping those going through struggles at an earlier age to deal with and to cement a way forward like mm. you you know now how to control your career whereas I've sort of done it at a later age where I've been yeah. now processing the things and still at a later age things are hitting me that i I didn't realise I would get to at this stage. So I talk a lot in the workplace, you know. Um, we, we all know stats of one in four, probably one in three now will get will have a mental health issue mm-hmm. in society. But I think it's the likes of Ruby in particular who are young who can just live with that journey and then maybe the likes of me who are saying, you know, even at an older age, it's, it's okay to... Yeah. It's part of life. It's part of the system. It's not abnormal to have issues. Mm. So, but if we talk about it, we humanise it, and we allow. You mentioned the word permission to express how we are far more now than we ever did before. And I think that's helping. But I am a goer still, mm. and I don't always like myself for that. Mm. Sometimes I, it, that's I, just the I person that you are. Though. That's the thing. I can't, you know, I had this conversation with my partner the other day and they were like, you just don't stop, you're so busy. I said, but I don't know how to not be busy. Mm. I just don't know how to not be busy. Mm. What I'm starting to do is choose the things that maybe I really like You're adding things in, like you're bad. Yes, adding things in, but also from a work perspective, instead of, I used to say yes, 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 because I wanted to appease people. I didn't want people to get too close to me or not like me because I couldn't express who I was. So it was always like, well, if they like me, no one will doubt me or question me or, you know, Mm. when I, especially before I publicly came out last year, I was in a different mindset of there where very protective over who I was. So I would just please everybody, you know, whatever. Now I've got to a point where I do what I want, say what I want and whatever. And now I do things because other opportunities open to me that I never did before. You know, I go to parties, I'm out. You know, I am living my youth (laughs) far too much. Um, You know, and I'm doing things. But then I think, oh, my God, like, this year has been manic for me because I've been to everything and anything and met people and gone for meals for once and and coffees with people that I've known for years who I'd never even go to a coffee with. They're fun things, though. They're fun, but I am filling my diary so much on Mm. top of work. Now I'm doing it, work and that. Yeah. You yeah. know, so this, I, I say this year from June, which was like a, a year of sort of, I say, freedom for me. Yeah. I'm now thinking, right, this next year, I've got to start being a little bit more self-aware. Yeah. Definitely think more of my health because I've had three lots of COVID. Wow. Um, I keep getting run down. Mm. I catch everything. And that's my... Three COVID. Yeah, and that's, that is detrimental to me and my health. I then break down physically yeah. because my immune system's going down. And I thought to myself, I have to stop. I've got to start thinking of health implications of me being that person. Mm. But then you get to the point, I mean, a whole new subject, perimenopause and God knows what, you know what I mean, tied in. So you yeah. have perimenopause, mental health, overworking. And I just think, no, can't do it. So I've got to also be, like, Ruby has been so great and so articulate at talking about how to control and what you've done. It's brilliant. I need to do that for people who are 
like me who have been around for a long time who are mm. like the CEOs, the, you know, kind of real high pressure, whatever, yeah. and say there comes a point in life. You have to slow it. Where you've got to take that. It doesn't mean you've got to not do anything and not be you, mm. but you've got to take accountability of the effects it's having on your health. And that's what well, I was going to ask you that. Here and here is. Yeah. Yeah. For people yeah. who feel overwhelmed, so that would be your advice to people yeah. who are feeling overwhelmed to just take accountability and realize that you need to pull back a bit. Absolutely. I think that's the critical thing for everyone. When you get to a point where you're self-destruct or you're thinking, I, you know, I can't do this, I'm getting tired, I'm overwhelmed, it's mm. feeling tearful, whatever. You've got to take a step back. Yeah. Because actually nothing is worth our health deteriorating. No. And when you nothing get to a point life. when your health is deteriorating, it's only then that you realise how much you need it. So this is... And you've gone too far. Probably, yeah. Right? yeah. You walk in, you yeah, go yeah. too far. Okay, have any positives come out of the experience? Yes, massively. I f- yeah, I can already tell. <laughs> <laughs> Last week, I got to go to the Houses of Parliament Oh wow! to support MIND mental health charity mind they're launching a campaign called raise the standard and basically we're asking the government to raise the standard of inpatient care in mental hospitals i can't wait to see what happens with that i really hope that everything Mm. comes comes through with the campaign amazing what about for you kelly what positives have come out of burnout for you oof positives came out unfortunately to the destruction of me came out with me just deciding right I've got to do a documentary that I did called Kelly Holmes being me where I publicly came out as a gay woman to allow me to be Absolutely free love it. High five. <laughs> and, love uh, it. freed my ability to live my life to be me everyone stands everyone deserves to walk side by side with everyone else we're all human in this world we all got a life to live rather than waking up every day and just doing the doing so I'm now living life um, it came at a, a price to pay but it's now allowed me to do what I need to do to talk authentically to other people about journeys yeah. and reaching out for help more. Mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. until I had to right at the end. Um, so talking about your experiences, sharing is always caring, as they say. Yeah. Having opportunities to drive change, as Ruby's doing, or what I do in the workplace. You know, it's really important, and it's lovely to have that platform as well. You know, I don't see mm. it as a added responsibility in terms of, oh, now it's all on my shoulders. It's, it's like I want to get these messages out. I yeah. want to talk about it. And I suppose for me, this past year has allowed me to talk more authentically about everything that's a struggle in my life and the reasons why, but also. So I've gone through lots of ups and downs in those journeys of mental health at different stages that I'm able just to, yeah, not worry about talking. I don't, yeah. I, you know, just because and you're we able talk to help about mental people. health, good, I'm talking yeah. about it. Yeah. You know, if you think any differently about me, you've got the issue, not me. You know, that's how I think now. Yeah. And I think that's a good place to be. I think that's 100%. a really good place to be. Well, you're both absolutely amazing. I love the conversation. I think you're going to help so many people. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. you. That was so good. And that's all we have time for today. Huge thanks to Dame Kelly Holmes and Ruby Barker. Thank you so much for your candor. I know you'll have helped so many people listening who feel that they're juggling too much. If that sounds like you, please do contact your GP or boot support room therapy service. Please see the show notes for more details. And if you found this episode helpful, please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe because it really helps us to get the word out. Until next time, see you later.